Greetings, wine enthusiasts and job seekers. Welcome to the Wine, Work, and Passion podcast, where we go beyond wine education and help you pursue your dream job in the exciting world of wine. I'm your host, Karen Wetzel, and I've been working with wine ever since I was old enough to serve my first glass. I know from experience that being part of the wine industry means more than a career, it's a lifestyle, and I've loved every minute of it. Our mission at Wine, Work, and Passion is to help you pursue your best life in the field you love. In each episode, I'll talk with wine industry insiders and leaders who know what it takes to help you get the interview, land the job, and flourish in this amazing world of wine. Becoming a wine educator is a goal of many of our followers, so today I'll talk with Master of Wine Peter Marks. Peter has had an extensive career in wine education and has hired, groomed, and mentored many people, including me, that went on to have highly successful careers as educators themselves. Peter will share his insights on what it takes to become a wine educator and the many ways to enter this exciting side of the wine industry. Be sure to stay tuned until the end when Peter will give us specific action items and some insider tips on how to get started. And now, let's get to our interview. Welcome, Peter. Can you tell our audience who you are and what you do in the wine industry? Hey, thank you, Karen. Hi, I'm Peter Marks, and I work with the Napa Valley Wine Academy. I do a number of things, but I mostly teach about wine. I work, help organize our wine tasting kits that go out, organize webinars, and teach primarily our diploma classes as well. And you get to interview some pretty cool people, don't you? <laughs> I get to interview with you. This is very, very cool. I was thinking about Stephen Spurrier, Hugh Johnson, Fiona Morrison. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? Bigger celebrities than me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Karen. You're pretty famous in your own right. But that is definitely, being in the wine business, a lot of time is like you get to meet these movie stars and people like, whoa, I can't believe I get to talk and meet these folks. And if you're really into the personalities that are involved with wine, then I've definitely been lucky to, to meet some superstars. That's great. Before we get started on the serious stuff, why don't you briefly tell the audience how you and I got to know each other, where we met? I would love to. Yeah. I don't know if I should consider you the little sister I never had, or as we often say, you're my work wife and I'm your work husband, but we've had a long relationship. I actually just looked to see how long it's been, Karen. It's been almost exactly 11 years since we were in Tuscany, we both worked for Constellation Brands, and we went on a trade education trip to Tuscany where we visited our Rufino properties. And I had not really known much about you. I, I knew your name, but you were in the sales team at that time, and I was on the wine education team. And we just hit it off. I think we started going in walks in the morning, and nobody else wanted to get up early like we did, and we were full of energy. And we just clicked, and it was one of the best trips I've ever had and certainly discovered what a great person and educator you are. So as you know, I hired you. Yeah, about a year later, actually. And we're still walking together. Isn't that funny? <laughs> 11 years later. Yeah, we had an opening on the wine education team. And the first person I thought about was you. You did have a little bit of training in your background in the restaurant industry. And I thought, here's a person who's got this sales street smarts and has education and training in her background. I thought, there's nobody better for this job. And we've become great friends since then. And I couldn't have asked for a better boss. <laughs> and we're still working together at the Academy. So there you go. 
Okay, enough about us. So let's talk about you. I think the audience would love to know how you got started because here you are a master of wine, one of only 52. How many passed this week? We had a couple extra passed. Four new Americans. So now I guess we're up to 56. 56. Okay, so we have 56. But you didn't start off as a master of wine and you probably started off like most of us just sipping on wine for fun. So why don't you talk about your start into the world of wine? My father had a little bit of interest in wine growing up and that sort of piqued some interest in me. But I think what really foretold my wine career was going to UC Davis. Not that I studied enology and viticulture, but I actually was a nutrition major and food service management major. But my roommate was a great person by the name of Rob Davis, who became the winemaker at Jordan Winery until he just retired last year. But I was very interested in wine, even more so through learning through Rob. And then when I graduated, I actually worked in the restaurant and food industry for five years. Yet during that time, I went to numerous wine tastings and took wine courses and would go up to Sonoma and visit Rob and hang out. And I just, the more you know, the more you want to know. And I just became so enamored with wine and it became more of just a passing interest. It became a passion. And I switched jobs after five years in the food business. I saw a job one day in the newspaper for a manager in a retail shop. And I thought I knew a little bit about wine. And so they hired me and the rest is history. I've worked 20 years in retail and then basically for about the last 21 years in education. That's great. And when did you actually get your Master of Wine credentials? So that was in 1995. So after about 14 years in the industry, I was working in retail at the time at Drager's Markets in California, in the Bay Area. When I started at Drager's, there was one store and, and we grew it to three stores before I left. But it was an amazing learning experience because I would tell people we sell everything from Sutter Home White Zinfandel to Domaine de la Romani Conti. And it's true, we did. And I was, as a wine buyer, I was able to taste wines from all over the world and really experience all the wonderful types of things that wine can offer you. In addition to that, we did some education at Drager's. I started teaching some wine classes there. We took our customers to Europe on just fun trips, Burgundy to Bordeaux. We did wine dinners and all of that just culminated in an amazing experience for me to study for the MW program. Wow. I think it's really an important point when you said, Traegers, you sold everything from Sutter Home to Romani County and everything in between. And I think that since we're talking about careers, I do think it's important for anyone studying wine is to never lose sight of the consumer and that there is a wine for every budget, every palate, and that it's not all Romani Conti. And although that's a perk, but we can't lose sight of the consumer. And I think that that's always important. And working with you at Constellation, we had a lot of bottom shelf wines and we would go out and teach about them as passionately as we would some of our more expensive products. And I think that was something I really admired about working with you is that it was really about who the consumer was and no wine shaming in your world, which I I think is really important. If we want the wine industry to grow and have more individuals enjoy wine. It can be any type. It doesn't necessarily have to be the classified growth or the Grand Cru vineyard. It can be anything that you like. And that's the way it should be. For those listening that are thinking, that's really cool. I'd like to pursue some wine credentials. And I didn't have a single credential till I met you. And that was just 11 years ago, but I was a late bloomer. But for those on the line that are listening, wanting to pursue their credentials, what advice would you give them if that's what they're working toward? I think for many folks, uh, doing a wine credential can be intimidating. But if you expect to put in 
the hard work. If you're willing to maybe sacrifice, depending on what credential it is, but if you're doing something like the Master of Wine or Court of Master Sommeliers, you'll probably have to sacrifice some free time that you normally would be spending with friends or going to the movies or whatever. So being really disciplined in putting that hard work to good effort. And then staying positive. I know studying for something can be a challenge and you can get disillusioned and you have good days and bad days. But if you stay positive and think of the big picture, it'll make it all worthwhile. I know when I was studying for the MW, there were many days when I was just ready to throw in the towel, but I took it one day at a time. And some days when I was discouraged, I'd have another day where I was just like, things were starting to come together in a way that I never really visualized before. And that made it all the worthwhile. So just stick with it. Stay positive. Yeah. And I'll throw my two cents in. Don't bite off more than you can chew in the sense that most wine courses, whether it's Master of Wine or Master Sommelier, they have beginner and entry level courses. And don't be afraid to start at that entry level because those really give you the foundation to continue to build and grow, particularly WSET. That's what I, we teach a lot of WSET at the Academy. I get to teach quite a bit of it. And that's what I love about that program is that you can start with level one, very basic, but yet you'll learn and then just build on that through levels two, three, and ultimately diploma, which is level four, and then go on to your MW, go into the big credentials with a good foundation because to try and go right to the top right away, I can't imagine how hard that would be. <laughs> it would be amazing. You're absolutely right. And you don't want to get dis- too discouraged early on. And as you said, that's one of the big advantage of the WSET is it does have a nice progression from level one all the way up to diploma, which is considered the precursor for anybody who wants to embark on the Master Wine program. Exactly. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about this particular topic is that when I'm asked, what do I do in the wine industry? And I tell people I'm a wine educator, they immediately say, oh, you mean you're a SOM? And I kind of laugh because not all SOMs are wine educators and not all wine educators are SOMs. And I know you've had a variety of different positions as a wine educator. And I'd like to talk about that because I want our audience to understand that you may get a job educating people about wine, but it may not have that title. For instance, when I was in sales, I used to teach people about wine all the time, but I wasn't an official wine educator. And I'm thinking you, maybe at Draeger's or other positions, that wasn't your title, but it was a big part of your job. So can you talk about some of your wine experiences, educating people, some of the jobs you've had? I've mentioned earlier what I did at Draeger's, but what really started me in the wine education field was while I was at Draeger's, a really good friend of mine who's been in the industry for a long time, his name is Paul Bullard. Uh, He was teaching some wine classes through UC Berkeley Extension, and they needed some additional educators And when I started in wine, there weren't a lot of people working in the wine industry. And if you had a little bit of knowledge, hey, you're an educator. So I started teaching at UC Berkeley. And what that forced me to do is that it really forced me to know the subject. And that's one of the key things to be a good educator is you really need to know your stuff. So I worked my butt off and started teaching there and then started teaching at Draeger's and elsewhere. After I left Draeger's, I went to work for wine.com as a buyer. And I had a team that I was managing. But we took time out to do some classes together for other people that worked at the company. Anytime you're tasting wine, it's a teaching experience in my estimation. That's probably one of the best ways to learn is by tasting because not just describing the wine, but understanding the style and how that came about. Was it the climate? Was it the soil? Was it the winemaking techniques or whatever it might be? So I continued to do that, as I said, at wine.com. From wine.com, I went to Copia, the American Center for Wine, Food, and the Arts, which was really all about wine education in the accompaniment of 
great food and great art. And I was there for eight years before I was hired at Constellation Brands as their VP of wine education. So as I said, I've been doing wine education now for about 21 years in the last year and a half with the Napa Valley Wine Academy, which is the my ultimate dream job, if I can honestly say. It's just been working with a great team. It's almost like being back at the startupwine.com because at the time it really was a startup. And now working with wine, Napa Valley Wine Academy, which has grown so quickly in a very short amount of time and bringing in great individuals like yourselves and others and trying new things and building new curriculum. It's just an amazing, exciting place to be. And that's part of what learning about wine is. I'm being educated while educating others. And that's what makes it a win-win. Yeah, that's true. While we're teaching, we really never stop learning. No, we do not. That's so important. So I know when I'm teaching, and I'm assuming you get this question a lot too, people say, oh, how do I get to do what you do? You have a cool job. And I'm guessing you've heard that. And I know a lot of our listeners are wondering, how do I, you had your path, I've had mine, but what is a a typical path? So can you give us some insights? What can our audience, what are some ideas, maybe self-taught or credentials that you'd recommend, things that they can start thinking about if this is something they're interested in pursuing? I know you said that you get asked that a lot, Karen. I don't get asked how I can be like me. I'm sure everybody wants to be like you. (laughs) To be completely honest, I do not get that question. But (laughs) if I have, maybe they're afraid of me. I don't know. But to answer your question, one of the things to do what we do, and both you and I, it's an overused term, I think, but passion. You have to have passion. And what we do is we, when we're teaching, all we're doing is we're sharing our passion or our love for wine. Just like, let's say you went to dinner at a great restaurant, you come back and you tell your friends, oh, this was so wonderful and we had great service and you should have seen what they did for the dessert. That's what we do. We taste the wine or we go visit a region and we just share that passion and love with others. And it almost comes naturally if you're able to share your love of wine. If you're making it something that's enjoyable to do, it comes very easily. Just like Mr. Mandavi, Robert Mandavi always said, if you enjoy what you do, you'll never work another day in your life. And I haven't worked for over 40 years. So there you go. There's so many ways you can start. When I started and you started, I think it was really a lot of books or traveling if you had the worth for all to do so. But nowadays, there's just so much more that you can learn, especially with the web, web tastings and Zoom tastings and things. It's so much easier to be able to learn and gleam all that information about wine. But it's hard to predict one way that's the best way for an individual. It really depends on what's at your disposal. If you don't have the ability to travel, then you know, go on the web and look at videos and listen to other people's webinars and do as much tasting locally as you can. You know, Buy yourself a Corvin so you can open wines and keep them preserved for a while and go back to them without spending an arm and a leg. It's just a matter of making the best opportunity for yourself, given the resources that you have available. But the good news is there are plenty of resources out there if you look for them. Yeah. And one of the things you mentioned, books, and if somebody's interested in who should I read, there's so many great resources. But I'm going to throw out a shameless plug here for the Napa Valley Wine Academy. If you sign up for our newsletter, we do, I should say Peter does, what about once a month now through the Academy to Venn, you're doing live interviews with amazing authors. You can register for most of these webinars for free. There's wines to purchase if you want to participate in the tasting with actual wine. There's also books to be had. And you have the heavy hitters we mentioned earlier, Stephen Spurrier and Hugh Johnson, Fiona Morrison, and others that if you want to know who to learn from, honestly, sign up for our free webinars. You'll learn a lot 
in that process, but you'll also know who to learn from. That was always a great experience. There's also tons of credentials out there. And from WSET, which is really the big focus at the Napa Valley Wine Academy, there's CSW. Certified Specialist Wine. Certified yeah. Specialist of Wine. There's the Wine Scholar Guild, and of course, ultimately, Master of Wine and Master Sommelier courses. But as we said before, just take baby steps. Those courses are available, and, and now they're all online, which we'll talk about in a minute. But Peter, earlier, we were talking about what kind of jobs you've had. Are there other jobs besides what you have that would include wine education? Maybe not necessarily a wine education job, but that has is leans in that direction. Are there other positions, other jobs you could recommend people to pursue? We've talked about being a buyer or some. There's a lot of people, at least we live here in Napa Valley, and being an educator at a winery is a real critical role. You think you go to a tasting room and someone's just pouring you wine? No, they're educating you. It could also be working for a distributor. You're a salesperson and you're presenting wines, but you're educating your buyers about that particular brand or that wine. There's some people who are independent and do tastings for individuals, for corporate work. A lot of my friends do corporate tastings quite a bit. You'd be amazed how much interest there is up at the sea um, level where in businesses where you've got people who are whining and dining clients and they want to know about wine. They don't want to look foolish when they go out and try to put a deal together and they're ordering something and they don't know what it is from the menu. That's another area that I've found that people have made a career out of just doing corporate and individual training for people who want to know more about wine. Even if you're at home and you've got a, your spouse or your friends that you live with that don't know a lot about wine and you share it with them, you're educating them. Everybody does it whether they realize it or not. Yeah. And it's a good point. If you want to get a job as a wine educator, but you're having trouble getting hired by somebody, just start your own little business doing it. <laughs> you know, go, Do your neighbors, your family, your friends, and let them word of mouth. And there's all kinds of opportunities there to be entrepreneurial and create your own destiny, really. I think you're the Instagramma, but... Thanks a lot. <laughs> sorry, you called it yourself, so I can... <laughs> it's okay. Napa Valley Wine Gal. <laughs> yeah, that too. But I see a lot of fun, really great little TikTok videos and other things on Instagram or other social media devices that are just amazing what the younger generation is doing. I mean, if I had the time and the energy to play in that area as well, I would do so. But I can't hold a candle to some what these, I like to say, kids are doing these days. They're amazing how they're sharing their, their love of wine with others in a fun and engaging way. And that's what it should be. Anytime you're teaching, it should be engaging and fun. Yeah. I'm going to take that kid comment as a compliment because I do host Instagram Lives for the Academy. <laughs> So if you're, again, another educational opportunity. You are younger than I am, Karen. I'll yeah, by it. what, a year? <laughs> Not by much. <laughs> oh, funny. The other thing is that while you're working toward credentials, try to get a job at a wine school or at a winery, even if it's just as an admin or an assistant or even volunteering, that gets you the exposure. And believe me, I'm trying to remember, we have, I don't know, three or four employees right now at the academy that started off volunteering or as an intern. And the next thing you know, they're working full time. So that's another really good way to uh, enter the field of education. So tell us about wine education is changing. And of course, as with everything, COVID has had a massive impact on us. Talk about some of those changes that you're seeing, not just about COVID, but in general with wine education? Well, first of all, I'm truly amazed when I see how much opportunity there is for wine education nowadays. Everywhere you look, somebody's doing a blog or somebody's doing videos. And certainly COVID has put a lot of focus on the online environment. 
I think that's only going to get better. One of the things we've been forced to do with COVID is to start to go into the virtual world to learn not just about wine, but just about everything if you're a student. And that is something that is going to improve with better software, better techniques as we all become more familiar and learn how to utilize the uh, technology better. But one of the things that I turn around and somebody else is doing a new wine course or offering another tasting, whatever it might be, I think the important thing is to really choose carefully because a lot of folks who are presenting this, not I wouldn't say a lot, but some of them are not always correct in what they're saying or the information that they're providing. And I think it's really important that you do refer to somebody who perhaps has their credential like a WSET level three or master SOM, advanced master SOM, or one of those society one educator titles, something that gives you the indication that they know what they're talking about and they're not going to lead you astray. That's a really good point. We teach a lot of WSET level one courses and level one is pretty basic. And I'm always surprised how many of our students are already wine bloggers, they're conducting tastings. And I'm not saying they don't know what they're doing, but it's always a little bit of a surprise, I guess, <laughs> that they're just getting started. I also think one of the things that's really changing, and partly because of COVID and partly just because of technology, is that wine education is just so much more accessible than it used to be. As long as you have an internet connection, you can be anywhere in the world and you can learn about wine and acquire some of those much needed credentials. And what we're doing here, podcasts, I mean, there are numerous podcasts out there that you can download. And if you're traveling, you don't have access to Wi-Fi at the moment, you can listen to them at your leisure. Yeah, exactly. One of the things, too, that I've noticed in my career is I've been in the business for 30 some years, hate to admit it. (laughs) But when I was back at my distributor life, and I was in the distributor network for about almost 20 of those years, and I remember talking to my boss and saying, you know, should I take some wine classes? It was a fine wine house. It was the largest fine wine house east of the Mississippi. And he's like, no, you're learning everything. And we did learn a lot on the job because we would have big importers like Cobrand and Paterno come in and do educational seminars for us. But he saw no reason for me to take any kind of credential. And that is completely different now. I really think that if you, to pursue a real career where you're going to make some decent money, you're competing against people that have some credentials. So it's not a must, but it definitely gets, especially when you get to a level two or higher, it definitely gets your resume moved up a little bit. It gets you more noticed. It keeps you competitive. So I do think that that's something that I've seen change. You know, sort of like back in my day, a college degree was more of a nice to have than a have to have. Credentials are the same way. They used to be nice to have. And now they're, if you really want to work seriously in wine, I do think credentials become pretty important. I agree with you. And I think it's, like you said, it certainly can open doors for you that might normally not be opened. Not only are you gaining that knowledge and that confidence, but I think a credential shows an employer that you're taking it seriously, that you've spent the time to work towards that credential and make it part of your resume and your portfolio to be able to be successful. And that's an important thing. That shows a lot of drive and initiative, which is important. Yeah, I think so. I know you've hired a lot of wine educators or people in the world of wine education. Beyond having a few credentials or having at least some knowledge of wine and maybe some experience with tasting, aside from that, what other qualities or what other qualifications were important to you? Can I tell a true story here? Yeah. It's kind of a joke, but you can't ask people about their marital status or their age, but I always ask if they're a Giants fan. Because I'm a Giants fan, and 
There's been a few times when I've hired somebody who's not a Giants fan, like a Dodger fan, and it's never worked out. So I think there's something to the fact that they, if they're a Giants fan, they'll be successful. No, but it's true. <laughs> what about me? I was a Browns fan. <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't really care about baseball. So anyway, I think other important skill sets to have are, number one, really somebody who will take initiative to not need a lot of direction to be able to do things on their own to be organized, to be able to complete tasks in a timely manner. I mean, those are skills that can come from any other industry as well. And speaking of other industries, if you want to be an educator in wine, having education in other fields, for example, my really good friend, Mary Margaret McCammick, Master of Wine, was an English teacher before she became interested in wine. And obviously, as a Master of Wine, she's a wonderful mentor and teacher to many Master of Wine students. I think those are some of the basic credential or basic skills that I would look for in somebody in addition to having some wine knowledge. On top of that, I'm going to take us back 11 or 12, 11 years <laughs> to when I applied for the job <laughs> working with you. And really, I had been in sales, but I had never been an official wine educator before. And one of the things you asked me to do was you gave me a topic, you gave me a week or so to do it. You said, write a short presentation, a PowerPoint presentation at the time, because that was kind of all the rage. And you're going to come in and you're going to present it to a panel of my team. And so I wrote a presentation on one of the topics that you offered me and stood there, knees shaking, <laughs> literally making an audition. So I do think that presentation skills, the ability to speak in front of people with some poise, with some confidence, that goes a long way too when you're looking for a job doing that type of thing. And to being able to write a program, to develop some content, to curate information, and then communicate it in a way that is understandable to people. You and I both know there's a lot of people who know an awful lot about wine doesn't mean they're great teachers. Just like somebody who buys wine necessarily going to be a good salesman, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think one of the biggest mistakes I often see with wine educators is they cannot teach down to the level that is appropriate for a given audience. If you know so much, you just want to dump everything that and share that. But a lot of times, if they don't have a foundation or know where to start, some people might be totally lost and not even pay attention to what you're saying. Yeah, I often say that a lot of people who do what we do for a living, sometimes we do more to scare people away than to bring them in when we get off into our own heads, right? So sometimes you scare me away, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's most of the time. <laughs> that's true. For me, WSET, teaching level one, two, three, that's been a good discipline because you really do have to stay in those boundaries. And of course, a lot of students want to drag you out of those boundaries and want more. They're enthusiastic. They want more. But So just get heading toward the home stretch here, Peter, and maybe wrapping up. If I were, say, I'm trying to get started in the wine industry and I'm looking for a job with my heart set on being a wine educator, can you give me two or three specific things that I can do right now to improve my chances of getting an interview and ultimately maybe getting offered the job? What you just said about having great presentation skills for a wine educator position is critical. And there's lots of ways that you can gain that skill by going to classes or even online and reading books and such. That's one thing. Secondly, you need to know your stuff. You should know twice as much as you need to know to teach at a given level. So for example, if you're teaching WSET level one, you should have WSET level two knowledge. And I say that only because while you're teaching level one, somebody may ask you a question, like you said, that goes a little further and you don't want to look silly by not being able to answer that or at least point them in the right direction. 
Plus, it gives you context of what you're teaching, too. Right. And then thirdly, I would say, in addition to presentation skills and knowing your stuff, taste widely. Because why do we love wine? Because we love the liquid beverage that wine is. And I always say, especially to MW students, when they're studying for the blind tasting, I always tell them that the blind tasting is a theory exam with a tasting. And what I mean by that is that there's so much theory behind the wines. If you want to be able to identify Chateauneuf de Pop or Chablis or Santa Barbara Chardonnay, you're going to have to know the theory of why the wine tastes that way to be able to identify it and talk about it. So being able to taste and understand where the wine comes from, how it was made, that's the fun part. But there's a challenge there and to really dig into it, to know it like the back of your hand. And I think that's something that is critically important. So enjoy the journey. Taste wine. And I agree with that. I think a lot of people get into wine thinking it's so much more about the tasting, where there is so much more to it. And you're right. That's why so many credentials, there's so much theory involved. So (laughs) Peter, this has been super fun, (laughs) as I knew it would be. Indeed, Karen. Thank you so much. Anybody who is interested in wine education, as I said at the beginning, if you love what you do and work hard, you'll be successful. Exactly. I also want to mention those listening to the podcast may want to get to know Peter better. Peter is actually a mentor through the Napa Valley Wine Academy. So if you just go to NapaValleyWineAcademy.com and look under coaching, you can find Peter there. You can find me there. Lots of other really great qualified educators that can help you gain your credentials. Or in my case, I'm the career coach. So if you want more information about that, just go to our website under coaching. So, well, Peter, I can't thank you enough, really, for sharing your experiences, your expertise, your sense of humor. You really inspire me. You've inspired me for so long, and I know you're inspiring our audience to pursue their dreams of wine work and passion. Thanks for being such a good mentor and good friend to me. Oh, thank you, Karen. It's been great chatting with you. Great. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me today on Wine Work and Passion. I hope our show has inspired you to follow your passion for wine and find a job in our dynamic industry. Our goal is to make this podcast all about you, so we'd love to hear your suggestions for wine job-related guests or topics. You can submit your ideas by emailing us at wwp at napavalleywineacademy.com. As always, if you enjoyed the program, we'd appreciate a good review on iTunes. And feel free to share wine work and passion with anyone that could benefit from it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you again next time.